welcome to this um, month's episode of the podcast. We're talking to um, Taking My Life Back and Anyo tonight um, from members of Sobristas and we're talking about moderation and complacency, which I think are um, issues that everybody who's, who's sort of been trying to stop drinking or, is in, or has succeeded in stopping drinking is uh, uh, familiar with. Um, I know that I certainly had thoughts about moderating and um on my own journey so it's i'm hoping going to be a helpful podcast for everybody listening with um a few ideas about how to avoid getting complacent and and starting to drink again um which is obviously what we all want to avoid doing so taking my life back we'll start with you have you uh, on your journey um sober journey have you ever sort of encountered issues of moderation thoughts of moderating whether you might be able to moderate or complacency i think what happened for me was because um i tried to moderate for such a long time before i actually stopped drinking i kind of knew already that i couldn't do it because it i'd been banging my head against that brick wall for a very long time and hadn't ever really considered quitting completely as an option until i had the kind of magic combination of finding the quit lit and so bristers and and kind of you know re realizing that there was a lot of value in sobriety and that you know that I could have this kind of new life that was that was kind of you know something something new and different and so I think that really helped in you know I would see other people blogging on the site about oh maybe I could just have one and and I or I kind of had knocked that cognitive dissonance out straight away right from the beginning because I knew that I couldn't and I think the other thing that helped me as well was that I had um a kind of a day one two year two three years prior to my actual day one when I stopped drinking in order to get pregnant and then was pregnant so I had like a year of not drinking at all while we were trying for a baby and then I was pregnant and then I was breastfeeding so my now seven-year-old yeah was born I then started drinking again after having had a year of sobriety and it kind of had that experience of it starting off very moderate, glass of wine here, glass of wine there, thinking, amazing, I've completely cracked this, this is, you know, feeling like I'd kind of really got a handle on the kind of moderate drinking and that becoming a mum had kind of cured me, I guess, of my previous binge drinking behaviour. But then, of course, what happened to so many people happened to me in that it was it just started creeping up and, and a glass of wine became half a bottle which came a bottle which became getting on for two bottles by the time that I got pregnant with my now five-year-old and after she was born I was living in a different area and I was closer to my old kind of drinking buddy friends and that was when the wheels really started coming off and and you know I, I kind of was going back to my, the, my kind of my old ways of drinking to blackout and and you know really kind of overdoing it and I think because I'd had that period of between my two pregnancies of moderating on paper but still being very mentally ruled by alcohol and thinking about it a lot and kind of living for Friday night wine and and like missing a lot of my life really because I was so kind of focused on 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 that on drinking so so yeah it was kind of a kind of knew that I might be able to moderate for a bit was always going in the same place and I didn't to be in that place anymore so, you, so you that really helped that that um, sort of 
effort or struggle to moderate before you came to say Brewster's really sort of yes I'd kind of yeah I'd you'd already, already been, sort of exhausted I don't yeah I'd already yeah. been through all that and I've done oh I've done all sorts of things I remember once I bought this cd in like the kind of the, the years before internet downloads and what have you that was like um it was like an NLP thing and it was like I can make you drink less or something I can turn you into like this naturally moderate drinker and it had all these like exercises to do and I would diligently work my way through all these exercises and then go out and get hammered and then think why hasn't it worked and you know so I, I tried like everything you can possibly think I, I went to be moderate. hit once to stop drinking I, I was well not to stop drinking to learn to moderate I asked him yeah. to make me a moderate drinker and it didn't work <laughs> Tanya, what about you? Have you had any experiences of um, trying to moderate or thinking you could moderate and then realising you couldn't moderate? Well, I think before I came to Soberistas, I've been trying to moderate for like 20 years or something. And I actually did. I really, I really moderated. I was a moderate drinker for 20 years. But, but the struggles and the discussions and the negotiations were actually terrible. The, the amount of time that you think about drinking and how much to drink is really bad. So I think everybody who comes to so who ends up at soberistas, I think we all had our fair share of trying to moderate. Nobody just says, "Oh, I'm gonna stop drinking. I can I cannot do it by myself." So I go there. So I think we we all tried everything, and then we know we cannot moderate, but then we quit for some time, and then you think, oh, "But maybe." I am, I'm not as worse as they are, because then in the beginning you feel that everything you read on Soberistas is like, you recognize it. It's like your own story. But as soon as you give a little space and moderation thoughts creep in, you're gonna pick out really like the bad stories. Like, oh yeah, but she was drinking two bottles a night. I never did that, so I'm not as bad. And that's really the wrong way you go. And if you, and if you make that too big, you're lost, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's difficult and I and I really believe we cannot moderate no I mean I think you know my thinking has always been if you've got that far that you're looking for help it's because you've already crossed that line you know people who are people for whom alcohol isn't a problem don't end up on websites like say baristas you know if, if alcohol doesn't rule your every thought and it's a massive struggle to control it you don't end up googling how do I get help for my drinking you know it's because you've already got that far isn't it yes I think I was already like two three years that I was thinking like I really need to do something about it and then it was like okay I'm not gonna drink on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and I only do this and I I allow myself to have maximum like 10 drinks a week and I can divide it any way I want them and all these kinds of things but it doesn't it just doesn't work it just doesn't work. Why does everybody, or why do a lot of people see moderation as the holy grail? What is the fear of letting go completely of alcohol, do you think? That's a really good question. I, I've been asking myself that. The thing is, when we quit drinking and we do that for some time, we really feel so much better. So why do we want to go back there? Even for a bit, why would we? I know, I mean, it is obviously social pressure peer pressure you know maybe your partner drinks there's all of those things but there is this sort of I think for a lot of people and I know you know probably maybe for me in the first year I would say a a real sort of obsession with with drinking and a feel of unfairness that I couldn't drink that I wasn't allowed to drink anymore and everybody else could as I saw it it was a real 
feeling of being hard done to, but actually once you've had a length of time sober, there is nothing to miss and you kind of realise that there isn't anything to miss. It is all sort of in your head, isn't it? It's a strange yeah. mind game. I think, I think there's that cultural thing as well, isn't there, of this kind of concept of the normal drinker. And if you're not a normal drinker, then there's something wrong with you that, you you know, and there's like the whole kind of disease idea in which I can see how that came about because, you know, before that it was that people who drank too much were kind of morally bad. And, you know, there's so then, and, and then it was seen as like a, a disease of, of alcoholism and it's not their fault but there's still something wrong with them and and I think that all of the what what all of that has in common is that there's a, such a thing as normal alcohol use and that that if you are a normal drinker you've kind of got a handle on it and you can you know you can drink in this kind of moderate normal way whereas what I always struggled with that was that that didn't it wasn't reflected in what I saw around me because I had you know a lot of my friends were heavy drinkers and my mum and dad liked their wine and you know so I could never kind of make sense of it in my mind in terms no. of this kind of idea of a normal drinker but nobody I knew drank like that no it's a very then, murky thing isn't it it's very sort of yeah murky. and the only per the only person I know who I would definitely say is a normal moderate drinker who is not in any way negatively impacted by drinking is my now ex-husband who just doesn't like alcohol very much and that was what really kind of that's what I started to realize that naturally moderate drinkers don't like alcohol like I like alcohol you know when I drink I really like it and you know so that's never going to change I'm not going to suddenly become somebody who's not that bothered about it you know no. I know that if I drink it I like it too much so and I, I the think best thing I can do is to not drink it. yeah and we have um I think a tendency to gloss over you know you see people drinking in public you know the classic for me was always the sort of beer garden on a sunny day you know you see people quaffing wine and just feel I felt feel really bereft and sad that I couldn't do that anymore but we don't think some of those people a proportion of those people are going to be you know, full of recriminations, self-loathing, terrible hangovers, arguments. You don't see all of that. You really kind of isolate just the drinking, don't you? And it makes yeah. you feel then that they're doing something differently to yeah. you. When actually, you're right. I think, you know, most people who drink regularly are somewhere on that dependency scale, aren't they? Mm. And I people, think, well, like, you know, sorry, I, I just, I am... Um, with the beer garden, I used to really suffer with that one because it, in my local area, and it used to be on my way to pick my children up from, from nursery, there's a pub with a really nice beer garden and everyone sits at the front and, you know, a lot of young people and, uh, you know, it all looks quite glamorous. And I used to, in my early sobriety, I used to drive past that to pick my daughter up from nursery and I'd be really kind of, you know, hands gripping the steering wheel and feeling really hard done to really, really, just really annoyed about the whole thing. But actually, when I started to think about it, I didn't even like drinking in a beer garden. I would get too hot. I'd start feeling woozy too quickly. And, and just the whole experience, I actually infinitely more enjoyed sitting, having, a, having some food or a soft drink in a beer garden now because, I, you know, I didn't even actually like drinking alcohol in the sun. It used to make me feel poorly. So it's like, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, mind games. And yeah, yeah. You, you were just the point to make there. Well, I was just saying like we... The real moderate drinkers, they, they almost don't drink. It's not them who we envy. It's the people we, we see and we, how we used to be, which we have a little bit of envy, like we want that too. But the thing is, they are not so much different than we are, as you said. So we, we have to be careful that what we see is not the actual truth. And 
that I think, and we really need to be careful that after a while, in the beginning, we, I think in the beginning when we, when we quit, we see it as it really is, and then we have the pink cloud and everything, and then suddenly those little tiny doubts creep in, like, oh, maybe it wasn't that bad, you forget your, your worst memories, and, and then you're going to look at other people and say, you see, they do it too, and it wasn't that bad, and they have fun, and they're not harming anyone, so why can I, but in the end what what you see there is it's not what actually is going on in their mind it's not just fun for them maybe they're in exactly the same positioning and they're totally jealous of what we of what we accomplish exactly and i think jason vale makes that point in his book about that that sort of trap you know everybody who drinks regularly is in that trap aren't they and most people are probably not most people in the 20s but certainly once you get to sort of late 30s 40s i think most people find that trap very suffocating when they're mm. in it and really would like to escape it and if they knew how freeing it was to be out of that trap they would absolutely grab it with both hands but there's a fear isn't there that it's going to be too there's a fear of what lies on the other side and that's what stops people doing it I think. and i've become conscious recently as well because i'm in my mid-40s now and it, when i do have those feelings which is is rare now but it's generally tied to nostalgia and it's young people and people who are like you know it's like a lack of responsibility and a carefreeness to it and and that you know i i don't look at a table of people my age or older who are drinking and feel envious of that it's it's looking no, so it's looking totally back at something i could never recapture yeah. anyway yeah the, the hangover that you suffered at 21 is nothing like the hangover you suffer when you've got small kids and you're a <laughs> yep. grown up. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what about the other, the other word then that we that this podcast is all about complacency so that's something else that we see on sober is a lot of people who sort of take their eye off the ball they've kind of got used to not drinking they think they've cracked it and then they sort of relax a little bit too much and it creeps mm. i'm a little bit there at the moment honestly um i'm i'm doing actually really well and i was like really like oh i was really on my pink cloud and doing really well i'm still doing really well but that also means that I just want to move on with my life. I don't want to be confronted with drinking, not drinking the whole time. So I see that I'm moving a little bit away from the thread, moving a little bit away from the WhatsApp groups. And it's actually what I need at this moment. But I also realize that it can be tricky because if you are not confronted with, with, with this or you, you might think that you are normal again, <laughs> that you could be like easily open to, to well, to, to make that step again. But, but it's difficult. I don't know how you can prevent that because, well. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I know what you mean. You don't, you don't, I mean, it's like the people who say that they go to AA meetings for 30 years. I mean, you don't want that recovery in inverted commas to last the rest of your life do you I mean it's nice to think we can get to a point where we can just say I don't want to drink anymore that's that and now I'm going to live my life yeah and I think some people it just it takes different lengths of time to get there I think yeah so for now I'm giving in a little bit that I think okay I, I really need to step away I have lots I have lots of fun things I'm doing I'm really enjoying my life and I I will just do it for now but I but I but I realized that it that it can be tricky if you go silent or you step back, it can be like the beginning of like uh, like a point that you that you think, oh yeah, well I can do one. Who cares? 
yeah, I know. I think, but... I think for me that it's definitely for moder for moderation and for complacency, having that connection with other sober people is really pretty vital because that's how I certainly in my kind of early days that is how I sort of I had that constant reminder from you know so it was almost like I didn't have to slip because other people on Soberistas had maybe had a slip and then come back and and you know kind of reported to the other side so it's so not worth it and you know and and so having that connection with the site was was a big help and I think I mean I've kind of I'm one of those people that I'm kind of if I do something I'm sort of all in so I've kind of gone all in for sobriety and you know I still connect with Soberistas a lot even though I'm four and a half years sober I've connected with Laura McCowan's group who does meetings and, you know, so I actually voluntarily go to recovery meetings whereby, you know, whereas when I was drinking, that was one of the things that really put me off, like the idea of having to be in recovery for the rest of my life and go to meetings and talk to strangers. But I actually, I do it now because I absolutely love it. And it kind of fits in with my, I'm, I'm training to be a counsellor and it's, I just love hearing people's stories and I do it for that. And I do it for, you know, every, pretty much every meeting I go to, I get some kind of like insight into something or, you know, kind of, I don't know. I just, I just really love the connection with, with other people. And that's almost what's replaced drinking for me in some ways. And, yeah. you know, so that, and having, you know, has so that being such a big part of my life and connecting with so people yeah. is, is such a big part of my life and writing about sobriety and, you know, it's, that stops complacency for me because I'm constantly reflecting on the joys of sobriety and, and all the good things that it brings me. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think it's different for everybody is totally different, aren't they? And the things mm. that work for everybody are totally different. And yeah, I find it difficult to, to comment on that in a kind of, uh, sort of neutral way because I've, I've because of soberistas, I've always mm. been in contact. I don't know whether I would have done that voluntarily going years, year after year after year. I don't know whether I would have done that. It's difficult to say because my experience has been quite mm. unique, I suppose, in that way. Yeah. And yes. And same for me in a way that, you know, if I hadn't discovered my love of writing yeah. with soberistas, then would I still have connected? So, I mean, I think I, I think I probably would have done because I connect with friends through the site as well as, as writing blogs. But But, yeah, I think that, that's that's what's kind of it's it and also I think all the quit list I read in my early days really did do away with an awful lot of that cognitive dissonance around wanting to drink and seeing alcohol as a positive thing that you know I I sort of uh, I've had times where I've been maybe complacent about my sobriety in the sense that I'm not really I'm letting the self-care slip and all that kind of thing but it still doesn't make me want to drink because I know that that would just make me feel rubbish so I, I don't see it as a treat or as something that I miss anyway yeah and I think you know that um it's a, I suppose it's keeping in for and it'll be different for everybody but it's keeping enough of a kind of finger in or toe in or whatever mm. just so that you don't completely forget because it is really easy to get rose tinted glasses isn't it and just to think yeah. it was a long time ago it wasn't that bad I was being melodramatic mm. and all of the and then as soon as you start getting down that sort of trade of thought it's really easy mm. to convince yourself that it's fine and it pretty much isn't <laughs> for yeah and I, and I guess the key for me really is building a life in sobriety that I wouldn't want to lose so you know all the things that I've got I you know I've got a lot of stuff that if I went back to drinking I would lose so it's yeah. sort of it you know it, it it means I've kind of you know I've got stakes in sobriety now yeah that, it's self-sustaining you know, isn't it because you know yeah you're invested in it aren't you yeah 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 what about you and you then sort of complacency is sort of are you quite 
do you realize or are you aware of a need to kind of keep on top of this effort to stop drinking or is it something that you would like to just relax on at some point in the future or oh that is a really good question because i think i'm now on soberistas for like 15 16 months had a few slips and i know it's not good but actually i'm like oh if I don't drink for 15 months and I have a slip now and then, I'm not so worried. It's more the thought that goes behind it. Um, so maybe I should, maybe I should, because maybe that is why every time, I, every time I, I, after a slip, I quit so easily that I think it's not such a big deal. Oh, I, I didn't drink for three months. I had a slip. Oh, then I don't drink for three months anymore. So you think that you really have it under control in one way, but it, but it's as long as you live, as long as you have these slips, you actually say that you miss out on something. And that will, if you don't get that out of your system, it will always be like this. And it will always be like maybe being confronted with like a slip or being busy with like staying sober. While if you just don't have these slips and you just stay focused, um, you can easier, more easily leave it behind you, maybe. Is, is that making I, sense? Yeah, I think so, because every time you drink, you're kind of re reawakening the beast, aren't you? Whereas if you go two years without touching a drop, it, it's, for me anyway, it completely went. I never contemplated it. I never thought about it. I never lusted after it. It just went. I never had that chatter anymore inside my head that plagued yeah. me for you know for so long when I was always trying to stop for six weeks and then I'd have a binge again and then it was just every time you kind of you know you're scratching the itch aren't you again yeah yeah so actually what I should do is instead of like pulling back when I feel really confident and doing well I should just keep my focus and still stay really connected and then move on until you really are at a point that you can do it yeah. yeah and and probably i'm doing it too soon all the time but the thing is alcohol has been such a big negative part for my for my whole life because of my father my sister and, and so many things that i think i just i just don't want to deal with it all the time i just want to ha be happy and live my life and have fun and doing fun stuff without always being confronted with with drinking not drinking also with other people drinking and their struggles but sometimes it's just a little bit too much i like uh william, william porter calls it a nasty little drug in his book <laughs> alcohol explains and i think that's just really a really good phrase to think of it as because it just cuts through all of the sort of the glamour and the you know all of the kind of things that we tell ourselves about why we miss alcohol. It is just a nasty little drug that when you let it back in your life, it, it worms its way back into your thinking all the time, doesn't it? Which is yeah, you know, I think, what happens with complacency. I think, yeah. I think the benefit for me as well of the kind of continuous sobriety is that it's just taken alcohol off the table, which has meant I've been able to work on other stuff. So, you know, just in the same way that I quit smoking 10 years ago and I don't spend a second of my life thinking about cigarettes or wishing I could smoke or, you know, whatever. And, and <laughs> it's just it's just gone, you know, it's just off the table. And so that means that I can now kind of carry on growing i guess and and you know so i've kind of overhauled my career as a result of my sobriety and um, you know I'm, i've had all these kind of travel adventures in normal times and and you know and I've, i can you know focus on my children and you know the big you know the on, on life and not to big you know because i was 
you know, in that period, even when I was drinking moderately on paper in between my two children, I was in this, my world was very small and I was in this little loop of controlling my drinking and worrying about my drinking and looking forward to drinking and drinking and, and you know, and it just kept my world very small and just getting it completely off the table has just opened up so many different doors for me. And, and that's, again... I guess that's one of the big things that keeps me sober because I know that if I was to drink even once, I'd get pulled back into that again. And, and you know, this kind of growth and, and life development that I've been able to have since just, you know, it, it, I wouldn't be able to do it anymore. Do you see alcohol in the same way that you see smoking now then? That it's, you, it's completely gone like, you know, how you describe smoking, like you don't sit there wishing you could smoke. Do, is that, is yeah, that I think I do. Yeah, and it's taken me. It's, it's taken me a while. I mean, you know, it, it it took me at least two years to get to the point where it has the the positive associations have completely gone. But yeah, I, I, I think I'm. I sort of I feel nervous saying it because then it's like, is that in itself complacency? But I don't look at other people's alcoholic drinks and feel envious of them. And I don't. I can't think of the last time I thought. God, I wish I could have a drink. And that even including, you know, stressful parenting moments and bad news and good news and, you know, all, all sorts of things. And they just, I just don't have that connection with, with wanting mm -hmm. to have a drink anymore. Thank goodness. Which is evidence, I think, of, of the drug side of it, isn't it? It's, mm. it? The craving of it and the seeing it as a solution to difficult moments mm. or a kind of way of escaping life. Or it's because of the drug element of it that you are mm. craving it when you've got rid of that and you've completely worked through it all it sort of adds nothing there is no benefit yeah and I think there's a lot in that kind of that post-acute withdrawal whatever it is that people talk about where you know for like a year 18 months it takes that long for you to really get it out of your psychological system you know I mean obviously alcohol gets out your physical system quite quickly but it you know I'm yeah I'm really grateful for my kind of long-term continuous sobriety and and you know I don't think that I would feel as strong in, in, in my sobriety as I had been if I'd been kind of slipping every six months or whatever. I don't think I'd be in the same place I am now with, with a lot of no, things, really. No, there is definitely something different that happens, I think, when you completely, you know, like it's off the table, like you say, because you haven't got that option then. It's, but it's difficult to get there. It's a, it's a very sort of two steps forward, one step back journey for lots and lots mm. of people. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah, so hopefully... Our conversation tonight has helped helped anybody who's thinking that that sort of completely letting go of it is not you know it's it's not a scary thing to do it's it's really kind of the opposite it makes things so much easier in the long it, run. It feels so terrifying though. I remember in sort of fairly early on reading I think it was um, a blog of Holly Whitaker's and she was saying that stopping drinking feel, felt like death to her and it was like that to me. It was like it felt like like my world was just completely ending because I just didn't know <laughs> what the sober life was going to look like I was t I was absolutely the most reluctant sober person in the world I mean I hated it I just thought my life was over what on earth is there to look forward to it's just rubbish <laughs> <laughs> which lasted unfortunately for 18 months <laughs> I was a very grumpy person <laughs> but yes it does get better in the end much much better not just better but 
you know, a completely different oh. place where you can just stop obsessing about something. Yeah, but even for me, even if, if it's like like periods of four, five months, no, first time was like eight months not drinking, then five months, three months, that kind of things. Even for me, it changed my life already. Yeah. It changed my life already. It's a different way of doing it, isn't it? Because I know, I know people who sort of just incrementally, they've just kind of had longer and longer in between drinks and eventually they've just thought, actually, well, Point. I'm not getting anything out of it, and it's just kind of fizzled out. So oh, it's, yeah. everybody, it's, it's there's certainly not one way of doing it. No, and the, the thing is, I will never be a happy drinker again. Now you have tasted the sober life. Yeah, yeah. So, so you you cannot go back anymore. No. So we just move on. You just have to keep <laughs> yeah. moving on and learn yeah. from the last time you drank, and hopefully, it, yes, it will just stick, and you'll get that peace of mind, which is what it's all about. I think. Yeah. But, but I think it will, and I think with everybody who pushes through. And every process is different, but but we all will in the end. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, and I totally get that because even though I had this weird kind of moment of epiphany and, and it was like a one and done for me with sobriety, with smoking, that's exactly what I was like. I'd do, I'd do a month here and then, and it was incremental and incremental and incremental. And, I, you know, I wondered at some point if I would ever be a complete non-smoker, but then eventually, you know, it stuck and yeah, 10 years smoke free now. So, yeah. And it is, it is lots, a there are lots of different ways. When you are an ex-smoker, you know, the thought of looking at somebody else smoking and thinking, oh, God, I wish I could do that. I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> absurd, isn't it? You would never, yeah. ever look at somebody smoking and wish you could smoke. I mean, it's a, it's an awful trap to be in. But, yeah. you know, I think when you have broken through that, so that you know, with the alcohol, you've got through that mm. certain length of time, you do feel the same. Mm. You don't really see it as anything that you're missing out on. It's just a trap you've got out of, which is great so good luck anyway to everybody listening and um, and i hope that has helped if ward off any moderation or complacency demons that have been niggling knocking at the door um and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with our next um podcast but thank you very much for um to Anyo and taking my life back for joining us again tonight and um thanks for listening we'll be back soon